All right. Welcome back, everybody. We're back with episode four. I have with me my dear friend, Christina Wilkins. And topic of choice today, we want to discuss uh, specifically seniors, uh, some of our elderly that have a difficult time getting um, access to certain resources and obviously find themselves, unfortunately, often, more often than they should, in an income bind and having to have some of the the basics just to live, such as uh, housing, medication, uh, let alone things like cable television and a cellular phone and other things that people have come to move from, you know, luxury to necessity. Uh, Christina has been at this for a very long time. It's her career. Um, if you could tell us a little bit about what you do and why you do it would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. So this is a topic I am extremely passionate about. Um, as you mentioned, I've been working in the field of senior living since 07. Um, I have a master's degree in social work and um, I started with kiddos and then very quickly just evolved into loving on the older population. So my experience ranges from um, administer, um, ad being an administer for um uh, standalone memory care community to now what I'm doing as a senior advocate, um, we do health, legal and financial advocacy. Um, and so we are right in the trenches of, of helping folks um, that you had mentioned that are, you know, trying to survive. They, they're trying to decide um, medications versus, you know, appropriate housing, or should I move into senior communities to get the assistance that I need? So um, it's an epidemic. I will just, I will mm -hmm. say that it is an absolute epidemic and it, um, it starts with, um, and I could go on for days, but you look at other countries and you look at how they're taking care of their elderly versus how we are in our country. And it's a shame really. Um, yep. that's probably a whole nother topic for a whole other podcast, yeah. but, um, but yeah, we talk about, you know, the, um, the income, the poverty, all of it. I mean, it's, it really, we could go on and on and on about what more we could do for our seniors. Yeah. I mean, and, and obviously it goes without saying with, with what you do is, is selfless work. It's extremely important work. And I, I don't want to use the word forgotten, but I do think the, this area, this, this age group, you know, North of, 65 or maybe even 50 is, is and has become somewhat of a forgotten mm -hmm. uh, part of our society. And we are, I think um, we've committed ourselves to be okay with the fact that our mothers and fathers and grandparents and aunts and uncles, when they reach a certain age, just aren't going to be privy to some of the things and have access to those things and a, a, an organization like yours obviously works hard to ensure that uh, there is an ease into that transition and hopefully not as difficult. Is there anything specific that you see or you think makes it more difficult for someone when they reach a certain age just to get by outside of just the standard, obviously, income issues? Right. Yeah. So when we talk about, you know, Social Security and there's going to mm -hmm. be a huge increase in 2023, which is it's an 8.7 increase cost of living increase. Yep. And so that's going to be significant in yep. the lives of seniors. It's time. Um, there hasn't been an increase like this in you know, years and years and years. So um, I, I'm excited for that. That's social security, that's social security disability. But 
you know, I think, you know, mobility issues being in rural areas, um, yeah. we see that those seniors definitely are affected uh, way more than folks in super urban areas like the, you know, the community that I'm from, Sault Ste. Marie, um, everything is so spread out and the lack mm -hmm. of services just because it's a small town, um, you see that a lot, right? So you see it in voting issues too. We have a lot of seniors that can't vote because the polling mm -hmm. places are hours away. Um, and so how do we get access to those services for those seniors who are in those super rural areas? And that a lot of times affects, negatively affects uh, persons of color as well too, which is mm -hmm. a whole, again, I think a whole other podcast as well too, um, seniors uh, that, you know, live on the reservations and, and things like that. So, um, but I think really access to resources and making sure that they know what's out there because there are a lot of really wonderful programs out there. It's just, how do we get the word out and who is going to be that person that's going to make sure that they are touching all, I can't, I can't care for all of the seniors I would love to. And that's my hope is that I can touch millions and millions of lives, but who are going to be those key players and those people that are going to make sure that the seniors know what's available to them. Yep. And the dynamics are such too, with this steady state of where we're at since COVID, you have a lot of the folks that were children of the seniors are now working from home. Um, working remotely, inflation, um, cost of fuel. So not that they would prioritize their own lives over their parents or those that they care for, but their lives have gotten more difficult. Those in their, in their 40s and their 30s and their 20s. And fuel increases, the cost of gas has skyrocketed. I think one of the worst things that could happen is if you are you know of a certain age and you have to choose between food and medication, you know, like that, that's crazy. And I'm I have to assume if you're in those rural areas and you have that 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 gap, that distance just to get some of the very basic things that we take for granted, um, that's got to be difficult. So yep. I don't know what the the solution is or if there is a solution. Um, I do think that increase is powerful. That's huge. Yep. Um, yep. Hopefully that makes a difference. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of them are paid like um, like the third Wednesday of each month. Like there's a generally yep. in a lump and it's at one time. Yeah. Which for most Americans, I think makes it tough to budget to go that long before you get another payday. Yes. So that being higher is big. Right. Go ahead, I'm sorry. And, and no, it's fine. And no, it's fine. I just, again, I could talk for days, but you know, and you're looking at, I mean, the amount, and you even said it, the average amount for Social Security that seniors are getting is about 16, 14, 16, 50 a month. Um, and, you know, where that hits, I'll, that's, a lot of seniors, that's the only income that they're getting, right? Mm -hmm. Or I think it's one in four seniors. So, uh, Social Security is the only income. They're not getting a pension. They didn't work for an organization that is giving them pension benefits. So Social Security is their sole income. Mm -hmm. And annualized, that's what, 19000 and some change? It's not a lot, yeah. yeah. 19,000. That's what they're living off of. And so you have the access to programs that, you know, the not for profits, the foundation that, you know, we've started that um, will hopefully, um, you know, get a lot of those seniors that are living in those areas, those that donut hole, I call it the folks that make too much for Medicaid, and that don't make enough to actually make a difference. They can't repair roofs on their house. They, you know, they have high cost drugs and things like that. And so that will hopefully fill the gap of the things that 
um, they're going to need. So those are the most vulnerable people, right? You know, you, you don't make enough money to um, live the way you think you should or want to live or just to get by. And then you're not, you don't have access to some of the care because you're, you're in that, you know, quote donut hole, but those are, those have to be the most vulnerable people. Am I, am I wrong? Sure. I I mean, I definitely see it. You know, I see it again, the, the folks in the rural areas and that don't have the access and, you know, and, and when we think about, you know, where they're living, some of them are living in the homes that they've been living in for 40 years. And again, Mm. they're in disrepair, right? Their roofs are leaking, the, um, you know, the, the, the appliances are, are not working, or, you know, they're just, the, the list goes on and on of the things that it's nickel and dime and nickel and dime, and we're feeling it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling that you mentioned inflation, I'm feeling it with the the cost of living with daycare, with all mm-hmm. of the things. And I'm in a unique situation personally where I'm in what's called a sandwich generation, right? So I'm taking care of a little one at home and I'm also taking care of aging parents. And yep. even though my aging parents don't live with me, um, all of the things that come with advocating for them, especially from afar, it puts me in this, in this very unique caregiving role from a personal perspective too. So I'm living it personally, but then I'm also doing it day to day in my professional life. Um, and that's, that's a very unique, again, probably could do a whole podcast on the sandwich generation and folks, my age, your age, our parents are aging and we're also taking care of kids. Well, and they're becoming more reliant on, you know, I know there's pride with my mom, my dad, you know, but they're they're becoming more reliant on their children. And yeah. as everything is getting more expensive, they need more help, whether they want it or not. Also, uh, predatory practice and the type of people that are unfortunately in this world in 2022, seniors are generally targeted more than right. anyone and, and less likely to spot something that is scam malicious. And when you have a small amount of money, you know, you see horror stories all the time. I mean, there are very bright people that are in their 30s that get ripped off left and right. So I do think these foundations are extremely important. What you do is extremely important, but also because you have such a limited access and such a small income that they can't afford to lose a lot of it and they need someone to help direct and guide them. So I don't know the solutions, but what you're doing is awesome. Well, thank you. Um, and sure. yeah, the the um, the scammers have gotten really, really good. I mean, I've clicked on links and emails that I probably shouldn't have. And yep. I'm, I'm, essentially pretty savvy but you know you're you see the rise in the calls like oh grandma my you know i need bail money and send it to this and um you know a lot of the referrals that we get for our organization are folks that are um that have lost thousands of dollars because they 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 just don't they don't know that it's not a legit thing or you know the the predatory practices of signing folks up um without really them knowing what they're signing up for. I mean, I have clients that call me all the time and say this, this person won't stop calling me and they want me to sign up for X, Y, and Z. And the only thing that I can do is just educate, educate, educate and say, Mm -hmm. give them my information and tell them that they can call me and I will talk with them. Well, of course they never do. They don't want to talk. They don't want to talk to me. Yeah. Um, you know, just the financial scams and, um, I mean, again, I could go on and on and on about how 
um, seniors are taken advantage of. And it is, it's finding that person that's going to monitor their accounts, finding that person that's going to go with them to appointments and, and go with them to the bank and make sure that it's uh, legitimate transactions and nobody's following them to the bank. And, yep. you know, um, it's a sad, it's a, it's a sad, sad thing when that happens. And a lot of times you can't recoup those those funds. And you're, you're right. When you're already on a limited income and now you've been scammed out of three months or four months worth of, of your income, that's detrimental. Yeah. That changes somebody's life significantly. Especially a fixed income, because the reality is any sudden adjustment that is massive makes the income completely unfixed and it sucks. That's not cool. And that's why advocacy is, is so important and kind of segueing and transitioning to, uh, topic that is you know horrible but dementia is a very real thing it's a it's an extremely sad thing you you're certainly closer to it than than i have been i have uh dealt with it with people and family but not a regular basis as you do uh in your profession it's it's I don't know the reasons for it, and I know we don't want to speculate on what those are but i know it's more than 55 million people uh have it and that's an increase of roughly 35% over the last three decades. I don't know why it spikes so much, but it's another reason why advocacy uh, and assistance and in, in in an organization that works as a helper but actually genuinely cares is so important. Do you have any thoughts on that? I know it's a it's not a great topic. It's sad. It's 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 horrible to watch. Um, but it is real, and it's something that needs to be discussed because it's an everyday thing. It is. It's a, it's a brutal disease. And Mm -hmm. uh, we see, and people use the word suffer now, you know, from my experience and what I've seen, and I've worked for amazing organizations. And again, um, I was an administrator for a memory care community in Omaha, Nebraska. And we just, we put the, the life back into folks that were at home, they were isolated, um, you know, they weren't safe. And so doing those things. And so, it doesn't have to be all gloom and doom. The disease itself is a terrible disease. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you can absolutely still find so much quality of life um, in making sure that they have what they need and, and um, you know, supporting them in all those ways. But, you know, there, there's more awareness of what it is. People know what to look out for now. People know, whereas before it was like, well, we're just going to essentially stick them in a nursing home and that's going to be the end of it. Now we have all of these wonderful programs and people that recognize and understand how to truly care for someone with a cognitive impairment. And that's Mm -hmm. any, any type of dementia. Um, And, you know, it's, I think now that we we know better, we're doing better. Um, that doesn't mean that it's perfect by any means. Sure. Um, the Alzheimer's Association obviously does fantastic work. Um, they raise um, funds to provide the things that we need for folks that have Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia. It's not just Alzheimer's. Sure. Um, but, you know, I think awareness is key. I think we know what to look out for and Again, you talk about a, a vulnerable population, um, bingo, yeah. folks with, you know, uh, memory impairment are going to be the target of um, those predators and people that are going to take advantage of them for sure. 
Yeah, and, and I have for two decades managed a company where it's consumer facing. And it is sad, but I mean, there, it is not uncommon for someone to say, um, you know, what's this about? Did I did I do this? Did I sign up for this? And obviously, good people will handle that properly, like myself and the company I work for. But it is scary because the vulnerability is there. And again, another reason why advocacy is so important. I I am under the belief that, generally speaking, you know, I know there's a lot of money in medicine. You know, like I, we, like you say, another podcast, a pharmaceutical sales podcast. There is, unfortunately, maybe some, eh, you know, profitability to keeping people sick enough. But I don't want to get into all that. But I am under the belief and trust in the good intentions of people that if if a cure exists and it can be done, that you know, obviously, people are holding out hope. And awareness is where it starts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and those funds do. I mean. Again, I know people get really leery about fundraising and big organizations that mm-hmm. are you know, paying their CEOs and things like that. But you have to understand it. I think one of the questions, too, that the Alzheimer's Association always gets is, well, why, you know, why are why is there money overseas? Why are we giving yeah. you know money to put? Well, I'll tell you what, because the next scientist or the next genius that's going to find a cure may not live in the United States. Bingo. It may live in, you know, in another country. So sure. we have to make sure that we're providing what we need to for research to make sure that we're finding and they've made huge strides. And um, there was uh, an article that just came out not that long ago that said that we're really breaking through with a cure for Alzheimer's. Um, And so, man, wouldn't that be wonderful if we saw that in our lifetime? You know, that'd be incredible. I mean, we, we have so many illnesses and so many things that obviously plague us, but specifically when you get older and quality of life diminishes just because of age let alone all the other pieces that are kind of, you know, yeah. picking at you, that, that would be, that would be incredible. Yeah. I don't know how far away that is. Um, I'm hopeful that it's sooner than later, yeah. but at, at the end of the day, the, you know, w- what I want to highlight is, is I think it's important that people as a whole understand the importance of advocacy in these foundations. I know it's a little bit more difficult to maybe get access to some of these organizations like yours. And I know you're, you know, but one person, <laughs> but you, you do a lot as one person. And I think it's important that uh, people need to be aware of that. Um, do you, do you have anything specific that you feel is a, a large challenge or a bigger than other challenge uh, with your, your current position? Is there anything that makes it difficult for you to, to just do what you need to do day to day? Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be barriers, right? Barriers to the healthcare system. I think, you know, again, if somebody doesn't have a Christina or they don't have a child that um, is able to, or they don't have children. So that's kind of our niche market, right? There are folks that um, don't have children or their children live far away and they need somebody to be at uh, uh, the doctor's with them to explain what's going on and, and take notes and, and make sure that there's follow-up and things like that. I think those are huge barriers and you don't have to work in this profession to be an advocate, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, you, so I know that everybody's lives are busy and everybody has, but it's essentially, you know, I feel like, and at least in, 
in the Native American population in which, you know, I grew up, you know, with a very strong um, Native population around me in Northern Michigan, you know, we take care of our elders Mm -hmm. and that's, it's a village, right? It takes, we hear it all the time with children. It takes a village to take care of children, but it also takes a village to take care of our older aging population. We owe that to them. And I, you know, I always just tell people, if you could just sit down for an hour and talk to an elder about their life, about what they used to do about the thing. I mean, it is so incredibly uplifting to hear. And I, and you're right. When you say that it's, they become invincible, that they're Mm -hmm. a forgotten population, you know, they were once, you know, you and I, they were once trailblazing and they were doing all of the things. And um, if you truly just sit and listen to some of these stories, I feel like that is inspiration in itself to go and do and advocate, even if it's a couple of hours a month, if you're volunteering at a nursing mm-hmm. home or an assisted living or something, you don't have to be in this profession or be a social worker to be an advocate. Um, there's just so many things that you can do to volunteer sure. time or, you know, to donate or, you know, whatever it is that you can do um, with the time that you have. So do you think it's cultural at all? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I, I have to assume like what you said with, with the way the native American just, it, that's a cultural piece. Mm-hmm. That's just a thing that like that, that's something, that's something that you do. You know, my experience living in San Antonio, Texas, uh, the majority of my friends were Mexicans, Mexican Americans, and it's similar. Um, you you yes. know, there, there was like a, there was a code of conduct and I, I know that we're all raised to respect elders and, and do those things. But I think maybe, in some of these busy metropolitan areas, like I'm in St. Louis, I'm in a pretty busy hustle bustle area. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. 15 minutes from downtown. Um, you know, from the city, I've, everything is busy around me. Everything is busy. I'm my, my block area neighborhood isn't, but I think there's probably a lot of people that live in areas like this, that it's an afterthought. Do you think that's a cultural piece? Do you think that's something we've stepped away from as the world has gotten busier and life has proceeded in social media? Oh, I see my grandma on social media, so she's fine. You know, or I saw, you know, shout her happy birthday. She's good. Do you you think that's part of this issue? I absolutely think there's a cultural difference of, of how we, how we look at our elders, how we hold them in high regard, how we respect them. Mm-hmm. Again, it does have a lot to do with you know, how we were raised um, as well. I mean, I don't want to discount that, but sure. also I do think absolutely culturally you see um, a different expectation of, of what seeing an aging grandparent or seeing an aging parent. And I'm not saying, you know, that's a lot of pressure, right. To put on someone like, I'm not saying that everyone should have their loved one living with them because that's not, it's not always the safest option or it's not always the best option. Um, I'm not definitely not saying that, but I also think that um, the way families look at their older adults and their family does differ um, greatly based on culture. I really got you. I agree with that. Cool. Would you uh, quickly tell the folks how to find your organization email online or however they could, uh, if they were interested in looking into that? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So um, two organizations. um, I am the senior advocate for advocacy for seniors and that's advocacy, the number four seniors.com. And then support for seniors is the foundation that we just started um, very, very early on. We haven't even, 
um, done really any fundraisers or anything yet. Um, and so that is the foundation that will target those folks that make too much for Medicaid. Um, they don't make enough to actually make a living. Um, and that is support the number four seniors.org. Awesome. Thank you. We have other stuff to cover, but we, we, I think kind of exhausted our time limit. Do you have anything <laughs> else you want to add or? No, 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 no. I mean, yes, I do. I could, I yeah. could add a whole, a whole, whole bunch, but um, that's it for now. Cool. Well, we'll come back and we'll do this again. Christina, I appreciate you. Great to see you. Uh, thank thank you, you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.